Good morning, I'm Brian Agavino, the lead pastor at The Summit. It's great to be with you as we finalize and conclude our series on the book of Jonah. Do you need God's mercy? That's where we began this series, and I'd love to finish with asking that same question. Do you need God's mercy? Have you encountered God's mercy? Are you a merciful person? You know, that word mercy, it's, it's quite a profound and deep word. It's, it's one of the most used words in the Bible to describe God, especially in the Old Testament. The word mercy, one Bible dictionary describes it as this. It's rahum, if you want to try and say that, rahum. It, what it literally means is compassionate, merciful, favorable, pertaining to showing favor and not punishment as is often deserved, implying a forgiving relationship. It helps me a little bit, actually, to think about mercy being a form of compassion or a way to show compassion. It's similar to the word grace, but importantly different. So grace is a loving response when love is undeserving. And mercy is a loving response prompted by the misery and helplessness of the one whom the love is to be showed. Now, grace is giving something you don't deserve, while mercy is not giving or holding back what you do deserve, plus a movement towards the one in need to relieve suffering. The important aspect of mercy is those two things, right? That that there's a withholding of what you don't deserve, so that judgment in some ways, and as you withhold that, what happens then is you're not just withholding, but there's a movement towards a compassion, a going towards, a, a reaching out, a helping the one who is suffering. In its simplest form, I would say this, grace gives, mercy moves. Grace gives, mercy moves. Earlier this week, I had a lighthearted experience of mercy and compassion. I picked Aubrey up, my youngest daughter, from school, and when we got home, there was this cute little puppy walking down our street that you could tell was lost. And there was this moment in my mind where I didn't want to show mercy and compassion, but I was with Aubrey. So we uh, got out of the car and we got the dog and we picked up the dog and we were just kind of taking care of it. I mean, it was this cute little, it had to be a puppy that was lost. And so we're kind of stood there for a while and we looked around, we gave it a treat. And then I heard the owner calling for Hazel was the dog's name. And I realized, oh, there it is. And so we ended up giving the dog back to its owner. She was incredibly grateful and incredibly thankful. And there we were playing good Samaritans for this little puppy. It's interesting. The parable of the good Samaritan is about experiencing God's mercy and displaying God's mercy. And here's the thing about mercy. It moves. That's what was going on with this puppy. As Aubrey and I saw the puppy, there was something that stirred in us, a mercy, a compassion towards its lostness and a desire to do something. And as we engage on God's mercy this morning, I would just remind you that God's mercy is not something you know, it's something you encounter. It's something you experience. You know, this small encounter actually made me reflect more on how I show mercy. It's one thing to show mercy and compassion to a lost dog. I also find that for the most part, 
when I see someone that's struggling with sickness, especially, so cancer or a surgery or something that's coming, that there's, there's a desire in me to help, a compassion that wells up, a mercy that wells up within me, whether that be to provide food or try to relieve the suffering in some way. But the deeper I dug into that, I started to wonder, what is my response when I see someone struggling with sin? When I encounter someone that's in a dark place. And, and now sometimes, this is where it gets less, where it like depends if I show mercy or not. Sometimes I want to show mercy, but then sometimes I want to show judgment. And then it gets even harder when we think about, what do I do when I encounter someone who hurts me? or who believes exactly the opposite of me and is hostile. That's where mercy ends. But it's interesting, isn't it, that God, who is rich in mercy, overflowing in mercy, that that's where he displays his compassion and mercy. He displays it to his enemies, to those who are suffering because of their sin, even if it's on their own choice, which it always is, have you encountered the mercy of God like that? Where he reached out, where he moved towards, he showed compassion towards you, even though you were his enemy? This brings us back to Jonah. <laughs> Over the last four weeks, we've looked deeply into the life and struggles of Jonah. We saw his self-righteousness in the first week and how he resisted God's interruptions in the second week. In the third week, we talked about his performance identity and how much that drove him and he struggled with God and didn't want to change that. And then in the end, this deep anger towards God in his prayers and asking him just to kill him. And I'd like to take a moment to now reflect on this book, maybe a prologue, if you will, to this journey that we've been on over these last six weeks. Because what happens when we get to the end is we realize something, don't we? That, that we're Jonah. That the purpose and intent of the book was for us to realize we're self-righteous. We resist God. We have a performance identity that we don't want him to change. That we're angry at him for the way he treats others and doesn't treat us. And what do we learn about God through all of that? How does God treat Jonah? And how does God treat you and me? And this is where we come to the beauty of the book of Jonah. You see, this book, this writing, this literature, it calls for a double reading. A reading first to see our struggle, a reading to see how we are like Jonah and, and how resistant and self-righteous and all of these things that exist in our hearts toward God. And then, more importantly, to see God's interaction with us through that, to see God's deep, rich, never-ending mercy towards sinners. Because that's what this book is truly about. God's deep, overflowing, rich mercy towards his people, even when they are far from him. So I wonder if in this last Sunday we could go back through and begin by recognizing God's mercy in the story of Jonah. Then I'd like for us to reflect a little more deeply on God's mercy and finally talk about how we then reveal God's mercy. 
So let's recognize God's mercy, let's reflect on God's mercy, and then talk about how we reveal God's mercy. So as much as I would love to read the entirety of the book again, for the sake of time, I'm just gonna hit some of the highlights today and see what we see about God's mercy here in and throughout the book and maybe retell the story of Jonah, if I could, as we recognize God's mercy. So in chapter one, verse one, we see that the word of the Lord came to Jonah. And the first thing we see about God's mercy is that it speaks, that the beauty of the mercy of God is that it comes and it speaks to Jonah in his need and in his darkness. Jonah 1 verse 2, it says, Arise and go to Nineveh. God's mercy is for all, for us and for those who are our enemies. That's how great and grand the mercy of God is. Here we have this story of Jonah, right, that God comes and he speaks in his mercy to him and he says, now go to Nineveh and bring this story. And even though they are God's enemies, even though they are Jonah's enemies, we see how beautiful the mercy of God is and how far-reaching it is. But Jonah doesn't want to listen, so what does he do? He, he runs away, he goes in the exact opposite direction. But in verse 4, we see God's mercy again. It says, but the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. God's mercy moves us forward and wants to grow us. This is what I see here in this picture, that, that even, as, even as Jonah was running away, what is God doing? He's still engaged with Jonah to try to move him to the place where he can be transformed and grow. So we have this great encounter where Jonah's on the ship and he interacts with the other sailors who are on the ship and they're figuring out what's going on and this crazy storm. And, and Jonah just says, just throw me off the ship and kill me. So they do. And the great fish comes and eats Jonah. And in verse 16, we see, then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. How do we see God's mercy here? God's mercy uses a bad witness for his purposes. God's mercy is so rich and extensive that even in our fumbling and struggling and saying wrong things and messing things up, he still used Jonah in this moment to lead these sailors into worship of him. Well, in verse 17, and the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. There's so much to say about God's mercy here in this picture, right? That God's mercy provides refuge even when we're his enemy. That we see God's mercy here for us. That he used this story like Aaron and DJ pointed out over the last couple weeks to be a picture for us of who Christ would be. That God's mercy is so great that even as Jonah just wants to die, that that God would be patient and enduring with Jonah so that he may experience God's mercy and his goodness. Well, then in chapter 2 of Jonah, we see this prayer of Jonah, this interesting and complicated and honest and authentic prayer of Jonah. And what I would remind us here is that God's mercy is so great that he hears our prayers and answers our prayers. That no pit is too deep for the mercy of God to engage with us in prayer. Well, we come to chapter three. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, arise and go to Nineveh. And God's mercy is what here? God's mercy is displayed for us in giving us a second chance. Really, and many of us could testify a third and a 50th 
and a hundredth chance. That's how beautiful God's mercy is to us. I wonder today if you need to hear that in your struggle and pain. That even as Jonah was still resistant and stubborn towards God, self-righteous about bringing this message to the Ninevites, God was still drawing him close in his mercy. Well, then Jonah brings the message to the people of Nineveh. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They believed God. God's mercy is displayed in kindness through warnings. But sometimes God speaks to us by giving us a warning, by using scripture, by using a friend. In his mercies, the to, to, to lead us to experience the life he wants us to. So in chapter 3, verse 10, after Jonah brings this message, the people repent, and the king repents. <laughs> and in a little bit of humor, the animals repent. And we come to verse 10, and it says, When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented. God's mercy is patient, and his desire is that no one should perish. Well, in Jonah chapter 4, verse 1, we see that Jonah is displeased or angry and he sees what God has done as evil. But God's mercy is so beautiful here that he listens to Jonah's angry prayers and engages with Jonah's angry prayers. As they're engaging and, and Jonah calls out God because he knew he would be merciful and he's so mad about this, God responds to Jonah and says, do you do well to be angry? And we see the mercy of God here asking probing questions of our souls. Well, in verse 6, God then sends his plant to Jonah to bring him shade, and then he kills the plant. And, and Jonah was exceedingly excited and glad about the plant. God's mercy is creative. I love this picture here of this encounter where God is showing, hey, I'm merciful and I'm creative and I will bring you to a place of experiencing me. And then lastly, but not lastly, as we could point out more, verse 10 and 11, and the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity, that word there, compassion, have mercy, and should not I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle? That here we see that God's mercy now calls out to Jonah and says, in the same way that I've shown mercy to these people, Jonah, I want you to experience my mercy. My mercy and deep compassion and grace and love and forgiveness towards you. Can we in this moment, in that quick retelling of this story, see how this book is really about God's mercy? Did the mercy of God change Jonah? Well, some speculate that it must have been changed him for Jonah eventually wrote this book for the purposes of helping people see how messed up he was and then encountering and being changed by the mercy of God. And whether that's the case or not, I don't know. But more importantly, the question is to us. God's mercy has moved towards you and towards me. 
Have you ever taken the time to look back on your week or your year or maybe even longer than that and to reflect on where God's mercy has been displayed? Just like we did with Jonah. Maybe as a point of application from this series, you could take a few mornings to pray and journal where you've encountered the mercy of God in your life. Maybe God's mercy has been more beautiful and profound in your life than you've come to realize. I would bet that it is. But let's take a moment, if we could now, to reflect on the mercy of God. What does it mean that God is merciful, to to experience him as merciful? God's mercy is illustrated in Scripture as a compassionate love like a mother has for her child. Actually, in Isaiah chapter 49, Verse 15, it it very much describes this where it says, uh, Can a woman forget her nursing child that she would have no compassion or mercy on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. And God is saying there, he's saying, mothers, they are so connected and have so much compassion for their little children, for their babies, that God's saying, that's exactly what I want you to understand. My love, my compassion, my mercy towards you, it's the same way. And even if a mother were to forget that there would be such a case, he's saying, that would never be me. My mercies towards you could never run out. They would never not be enough. God's telling us, he's saying, I want you to imagine a mother and her compassion for her child and that my compassion towards you is magnified a million times over that. His compassion, his love, his mercy towards you, his rahum, is so rich that it's constantly, every day, Lamentations tells us, is moving towards you. In the book, Gentle and Lowly, that we started reading earlier this year as a church, there's a great quote by Thomas Goodwin. It's on page 131 if you have the book and want to look it up. Thomas Goodwin wrote this, God has a multiple multitude of all kinds of mercies. As our hearts and the devil are the variety of sins, so God is the father of a variety of mercies. There is no sin or misery that God doesn't have a mercy for. He has a multitude of mercies of every kind. Isn't that what we just saw in Jonah? A multitude of mercies? I mean, I listed 13, and I I bet we could, if we took the time, we could come up with many, many, many more. I love this thought that if if you, I get this, right? Like if I were to make a list of sins, I could make a list of sins, and it would go on and on and on and on. I could make that list. I could, and I love how Thomas Goodwin here, what he does is he says, as deep as you know how your sin goes, he's saying the list of mercies of God is deeper and longer than that. That God's mercies, in the same way of this amount of sins that there are that I commit, there is a list of mercies that God has, and that is quite longer than there are for the sins that I commit. He goes on to say this, so large and various are his mercies. So we may come boldly to find grace and mercy to help us in our time of need. A mercy for every need. All the mercies that are in his own heart, he has transplanted into several beds in the garden of the promises where they grow. And he is an abundance of variety of them, suited to all the variety of the diseases of the soul. 
Do you believe that God shows you mercy like that? That no matter how deep sin goes, his mercies are more? This is where it gets sticky. <laughs> you know, you know how you've gone from not just knowing about God's mercy, but to experiencing it, to tasting it, to walking in the garden of it like he described? It's when it becomes the overflow of your heart and my heart. I mean, let's go back. When we see a lost dog, what's our response? Hopefully, mercy and compassion. When you encounter a sick friend or someone who, who could be near the end of their life, what is your response? Hopefully, compassion and mercy. But here's when it gets messy. What's your response when you encounter an enemy? Maybe an angry spouse or just a sinner. When did God show us mercy? <laughs> when we resisted, when we were stubborn, when we were lost, when we were angry, when we were his enemy, when we were sinners. It's sometimes said that an alcoholic who won't admit he's an alcoholic, hates all other alcoholics. Similarly, it is generally true that the sinner who won't face up to the depth and complexity of his own sin, at some point will express and show hatred towards all other sinners. Do you? Do you despise certain sins in people? Do you, do you express hatred and anger and animosity towards certain sins that you see? The person who has recognized his own helplessness and wretchedness is grateful for whatever mercy has been shown them. And this leads them to overflow in mercy towards others. But my friends, the application is not to try to be merciful, but rather to look back, to see God's mercy in our lives, to see his display in our lives, to read Jonah again and to see and be amazed at how deep and how wide and how long and how high and how never-ending and rich are the mercies of God in our lives. The reality is, if we are angry and judgmental, it is probably because we view God that way. And yes, God does get angry at sin, but the core of his heart, the description that is first revealed is his compassion, his mercy, his reaching out, his moving towards, because what does mercy do? It moves. And God moves towards us. He moved towards us, most importantly, in his son, Jesus Christ, when he said, here's how deeply I want you to experience my mercy and compassion, that I'll send my son to take upon himself the sin that you deserve the punishment for. But he couldn't just figure, he had to move towards us to do that, so he sent himself for us. Do you follow the God of mercy? The good news is, my friends, he's patient and compassionate and long-suffering and merciful for you to come and experience him that way. And practically, what will that look like? Well, we'll reveal God's mercy. <laughs> Jesus 
said this about those who have experienced his mercy in a powerful and profound way. He wrote this, or he said this in Luke chapter 6. Luke wrote this. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. And then he says, but love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. And the command now, be merciful, even as your father is merciful. Who is the ungrateful person that God was kind and merciful to? Me. You. And those who are ambassadors of the mercy of God, experiencing the mercy of God, will be merciful people. It's maybe one of the most radical and practical calls for those who follow Jesus. Two quick thoughts from the book of Jonah that what this would look like. How is the Christian supposed to act and relate to those who are righteously and religiously different? Well, Jonah is unmerciful. He's dismissive. He's unhelpful. But rather the merciful will listen empathize, reach out, and engage. How is the Christian supposed to act and relate to those who seem to be outside of God's reach? Can you think of someone right now that you've considered to be outside of the reach of God? The sinner who is the true enemy of God, who wants nothing to do with God? Do we judge them through memes and posts on Facebook? Do we tell jokes about them with our friends? Or do the merciful go to those who are marginalized, to the edges of our culture, because of a longing for compassion and to show love? In church, if we find ourselves struggling here, the mercy of God reaches out to you, right where you are, not to shame you, but to transform you. So in our struggle, let's reflect on the mercy of God towards each of us. My friends, how you experience God is how you will reflect God. Jonah thought God was angry, and he came face to face with his mercy. And what happened? Well, we don't know, but that's the beauty of this book because now the question is to you and to me. We have come face to face with the mercy of God. So what will happen to us? Do you need God's mercy? Have you encountered God's mercy? Are you a merciful person? Let's pray. Almighty God, we praise you because your mercies are more 
They are new every morning. Stronger than darkness. Our sins are many, but your mercies are more. May we encounter your mercy today, we pray. In Jesus' name and because of Jesus, amen and amen.